welcome to episode number nine of Everlasting Resilience. My name is Aaron Eskilsing, and today's topic will be how to deal with emotions during resilience. How do really emotions impact our ability to be resilient? Do they really, you know, give us a little bit of persistence at the time of being resilient? Or can they maybe sabotage our resilience and sabotage our ability to get back up and try again? Maybe it's even our business or maybe it's really just waking out of bed every morning and just wanting to go back to work or maybe work more in my relationships, my family relationships or my relationship with my significant other. Do I really feel the motivation do I really feel the passion and the desire to overcome a negative emotion or sometimes maybe the negative emotion or maybe the toxic emotion or let's say the spicy emotion gets on my way of getting up and being motivated and having this desire and of having this passion. So that's what we're going to talk about today. It's going to be a really, really interesting session. We're going to make a plethora of authors and we're going to mix a different perspective and methodologies. And towards the end, we're going to do a meditation that is going to help us maybe feel those emotions and transcend them. So as I was preparing this podcast, I do have to tell you, we are a bit late and my producer has pushed me forward with this because I really did not want to do this session for some odd reason. Either my emotions blocked me or my mind blocked me or some force blocked me. But I, I really had a bit of a hard time actually, you know, working on the session and actually sitting down and recording the session. And I was, you know, coming to think about it, you know, what's the meaning of what's the message here that maybe I did not want to work on something or maybe I did not want to face something or maybe I didn't want to expose myself in some way when it comes to emotions. And, you know, I've been very transparent to all of you in the in the different podcasts, in the different sessions before. I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder when I was 18, 19 years old. You know, I was a freshman in college. I went to Tulane University in Louisiana. That was before Katrina, the hurricane. And I really had a hard time dealing with day-to-day -day emotions, dealing with day-to-day -day feelings, because I did feel in that moment, you know, I was 18, 19 years old. I just left my home country of Panama. I went to, you know, a different country. It was the first time I moved to a different country and I actually lived away from my family, away from my friends, in a different culture, in a different environment, in a different city. And I felt for, you know, so many months, maybe three or four months between first semester and second semester of freshman year, that I was overwhelmed by emotions. You know, I was literally overwhelmed by emotions. It was like when you're at the beach and a huge wave comes to you and you, you don't know what to do, you know, either you get, you know, run over by the wave or you go under the wave or you face the wave. I was literally overrun by the wave of emotions during that freshman year of, of, of college. And then, you know, after that freshman year and I was diagnosed and I started taking medication, I started doing recreational drugs. I started doing marijuana, looking back as a way to numb those emotions, to actually not feel those emotions, to actually not feel those feelings. So when I come to a podcast, you know, and many years after, you know, I thank God I've been able to be clean and sober for over 10, 12 years. 
I've been able to take medication for many, many years. I've been able to work on myself, both on a mental health basis and on a spiritual basis. But I did not really know what to say or how to maybe take this topic from a scientific point of view when it comes to research, from a coaching point of view when it comes to services, and from a personal point of view. So what I would like to set as an intention for this session, not only for yourself but also for me, is to actually be able to observe the emotions and deal with the emotions and face the emotions non-judgmentally and to not be someone who actually fights with a negative emotion or becomes enveloped by a positive emotion to the point that I cannot face action properly and I cannot be proactive, but to actually be a silent observer and a witness of those emotions and to be able to separate myself, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, from the emotion itself. I am not the emotion. You are not the emotion. You are not the anger. You are not the sadness. You are not even the happiness or being elated because we can't, you know, be intoxicated also by a positive emotion. Let's say when we're partying or when we're in love, we cannot drink that potion and feel that we are intoxicated by that emotion, but we really need to be able to separate ourselves from that emotion in a proactive and in a healthy manner. And in this way, when we're able to witness the emotion, when we're able to separate ourselves mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in a consciousness level from the emotion, then we will be able to make better decisions, take more sober actions from a more balanced point of view, and of course, be more resilient. When I look at myself at the past, at the mistake, or I see myself after I close down the business or I see myself at the relationship or maybe a health that, that I went through a couple of years ago, I can observe it from a not judgmental point of view and be able to recreate a better future without holding on to the past, without holding on to the negative feeling of guilt or anger or resentment towards someone in my life, either a family member or an ex-wife or an ex-husband, that is not letting me be able to advance and restart my life. So basically, I am able to work side by side with the emotion, but not embodying the emotion. How about that? And I know it's a difficult thing to do, but it's a nice challenge. And I think it's something that what's going on, you know, on the post-COVID world and in the Ukraine-Russia situation, we need to be able to better face the emotions and not become enveloped or intoxicated by the emotion so let us not be intoxicated by the emotion but be proactive with the emotion so let us begin when we talk about emotions what are emotions made of how are emotions made where are they coming from so there is this amazing author she's called lisa feldman barrett okay so lisa feldman barrett wrote this book, What Are Emotions Made Of? Obviously, she bases herself on scientific research, on psychological neuroscientific research, and even a little bit of quantum physics. So what does this mean for us on the day-to-day? -day? So basically, we know that the brain processes information either through the five senses, you know, either sight or sound or touch or smell or taste, right? And then it goes into our brain 
it goes into our neurons and there are where they're called neurotransmitters. You know, neurotransmitters, for those of you who don't know, they basically are chemicals that transmit energy from neuron to neuron. They're called, you know, dopamine, serotonin, and they basically are sometimes responsible for how we feel inside. You know, for example, I remember that when I started taking antidepressants, one of the antidepressants was called SSRI, Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitors. That's a really nice way to say that it was a medication that I was taking, so I was able to produce serotonin in a more balanced way. What does it mean to produce serotonin in a more balanced way? It means that I will not feel either a lack of serotonin or, let's say, um, an excess of serotonin. Serotonin is the neurotransmitter that controls things as, you know, obviously mood balances, but also sleep, but also appetite and also sexual desire. That is why sometimes when people are diagnosed with either depression or bipolar disorder or anxiety on a clinical mental health level, these things all, you know, go up and down. Appetite goes up and down. Sleep goes up and down. Either you feel sleep deprivated or you sleep a lot and mood balances go up and down. There are no mood balances. So therefore, these medications, SSRIs are one of them. There are also other medications. I know a really popular one in the U.S. for many years was Prozac. You know, in, in the 90s and in the early 2000s, Prozac was, was an antidepressant. They really help us manage better our neurotransmitters or uh, so, so we are able to better process those serotonins, those dopamines, so we're able to regulate more our sleep, so we're able to regulate more appetite, so we're able to regulate more our mood balances. But by the way, I do have to make this disclaimer. I speak this as a patient. I don't speak this as a mental health professional. If you need professional help, please do not hesitate to contact your local health center and a psychiatrist so you're able to understand this better and what medication you really need to do. I am not pushing you to take any medication. I am just pushing you to seek for professional help in the case that you need it. This podcast should not be used as therapy. This podcast should be used only as a way to awaken a desire to get more professional help in case you need it. To continue this, we need to understand that there is then a chemical side of emotion, as I said, the neurotransmitter, and there is obviously a subjective part of emotion. How do you experience this emotion internally? But this is what's really interesting about what this author says, Lisa Feldman Barrett, about emotions. Because remember the one I told you that, that it was a little bit based also on quantum physics? She quotes an author called Carlo Rovelli, Carlo Rovelli is a theoretical quantum physicist, and he wrote a book called Helgoland, and he speaks about something, I heard this originally over 20 years ago, it was amazing, it's called the observer effect. You know, so the observer effect is the theory in which when you do not observe something, technically it does not exist. Okay, so let's say that right now in the Amazon rainforest, there's a really tall tree and nobody is observing that tree. Technically, that tree doesn't exist. And I quote the author, when an electron is not interacting with anything, it has no physical properties. An electron only has a position or velocity relative to something else. Ah, now it comes the emotion part of you. And I continue with the quote, the same is true for signals that arrive at the sensory surfaces of your body, whether the signals originate within your body or outside your body. 
So how do I really put this into my day-to-day? So basically, emotion is not really something that we have, but it's something that we construct. So there is reality and there is my interpretation of reality. What does this spiritually mean? And I know that I've quoted this many times in the podcast. My consciousness creates my reality, said Rav Philip Berg. So what am I conscious about in my reality is what I experience in my reality. Another way to speak about consciousness is awareness. What I am I aware in my relationship with my significant other, what I am I aware in my relationship with money is what I experience as true and real in my internal reality. I continue with a quote from Lisa Feldman. Everything you see, everything you hear, smell, or taste, everything you touch, you feel, and every action you take comes from a complex web of interwoven signals. So your brain does not detect features in the world, in the outside world, and in the body, but it actually constructs features to create meaning. Ah, meaning. What is meaning? Meaning is a label. What? How I label my significant other, how I label money, how I label COVID-19 pandemic, how I label X or Y meaning. It continues with a quote. When you appreciate a beautiful painting, the beauty is not in the painting. It is created in your brain. When you eat a delicious dinner, the deliciousness is not in the meal, but constructed in your head. So now how do I do this in my day-to-day world? So let's go back to resilience. Let's go back to that really nasty thing that we experienced 10 years ago in school or 20 years ago with my ex-wife or my ex-husband or this really you know, traumatic event in the COVID-19 pandemic when maybe somebody lost their job or somebody lost their loved ones or somebody lost hope on the future. Am I really experiencing that from a point of view of a witness or are you the co-creator of that moment and i know that this may seem a little bit abstract or actually maybe a little bit far-fetched am i being a hundred percent accountable of how i react or respond to that external situation or as lisa feldman says are you a spectator to reality or are you its creator So now let's go to our next author, our next point of view. And this is from academic researcher and author Daniel Goleman. Daniel Goleman, the pioneer of actually communicating and reinterpreting emotional intelligence in the late 80s, early 90s, 2000. He's been a lecturer at many universities and he's been an author of many books. Emotional intelligence. So what does emotional intelligence mean in a practical way? Daniel Goleman says self-awareness, self-control, the ability to have empathy, and the ability to have social intelligence or social leadership based on self-awareness, self-control, and empathy. But what does it mean, self-awareness? When I have this negative emotion, so let's go to that moment. I am in the middle of traffic. I am late for an important meeting. I am going to a family dinner or I'm going to a meeting at the bank or I'm going to a test, you know, a big test in the university and there's a huge amount of traffic or maybe my car broke down or maybe my cell phone was out of service 
Or maybe I realized that the transfer from the client didn't go through at the bank. Or maybe I realized that my credit card is out of funds. That is the external reality. That is something that is going out of your body. So if you are aware of this, are you aware of it from a point of view that you can change your reaction or are you aware of it from a point of view that your reaction can be independent from what's going on on the outside world? So therefore, going back to what I said and the intention, uh, am I being intoxicated by the emotion? Am I being enveloped by the fear of I'm going to be late? What am I going to do with this meeting? What am I going to do with this test? My credit card doesn't go through. The client didn't pay. What am I going to do with the job? And then the outside world overwhelms me like that wave that I spoke about over 10 minutes ago. And then in that moment, the emotion actually disables me from taking proactive action in order to change my response to the situation. Okay, are you following me? I hope you are. I hope you are because this is getting really, really interesting. Because then in that self-awareness that says Daniel Goleman is actually the knowing. This is not only thinking, this is knowing. This is what Ralph Berg called certainty. I do not think that 2 plus 2 is 4. I am certain that 2 plus 2 is 4. So I have the knowing, I have the certainty that inside of ourselves, inside of myself, even though I am not really clear where, even though I am not really clear how, but I am certain that inside of myself lies the answer and the solution to overcome this negative emotion. But how? How, Aaron, can I do this if the fear overwhelms me, if the sadness from the loss of a loved one overwhelms me, if I do not know what I'm going to do with my small business now that I don't have the payment, if I don't know what I'm going to do with my, you know, 18-year-old son or daughter that is going through a hard time, how can I do this? You can do this from the knowledge, when, as I said, from the certainty that the emotion is not reality. The emotion is not all there is. You need to have the self-awareness that the emotion is like, I read this analogy in a book from A Course in Miracles, based on A Course in Miracles. Let's say you're going to the movies, right? You're going to the movies and you're going to a really great cinema, you know, the IMAX, shoot screen, and you get up, you go to the bathroom and you get closer to the screen as you're going down the stairs and you realize that it's the screen is like a big, a big fabric and the image is being projected in the fabric. So I have a question. Is the fabric the image? So let's say the ocean is being projected in the fabric. So is the fabric the ocean? And then five minutes later, a huge building is being projected in the fabric. Is the fabric the building, right? And I'm getting somewhere to please have a little bit of patience with me. So the, the IMAX theaters, you know, is projecting animals, is projecting buildings, is projecting, you know, a beautiful house, it's projecting the outside space, is projecting a love scene. But then you walk by when you're coming back from bathroom and you realize that the fabric is the same. The fabric is the same. So the fabric is not the building. The fabric is not the animal. The fabric is not the love scene. The fabric is not outside space. It's just fabric. Are you following me? So in this analogy, the fabric is your consciousness, is what Rabber calls your consciousness. So the fabric of where thoughts and emotions are woven. Ah, so how do we all get this together? So when I have an emotion that is being projected on the fabric, nevertheless, it is not the fabric. 
something really, really interesting. I need to know. I need to be certain of this to be able to separate myself from the emotion, from the fear, from the anger, from the sadness, and even from huge, huge amounts of joy and elation. I cannot be intoxicated by that. I need to know. This is just being projected on the fabric. This is not the fabric. How do I see this? From another point of view, I observe the emotion. I am not the emotion. I observe the fear. I am not the fear. I observe the anger. I am not the anger. I even observe being highly elated and joyful and happy and ecstatic, but I am not that feeling. So once again, what does it mean that consciousness creates reality? It means that I need to know and be certain that deeper than my fear, deeper than the sadness of you're in the middle of traffic, you can't pay your bills, you're really stressed out about what's going on in your family, you have lots of stress because you have a test or because you have a really big challenge in your family life or in your day-to-day life or in your corporate life. You have the knowing, you have the certainty that deep inside of you is the fabric and you can change that point of view. You can change that fabric. You can change your interpretation or the meaning that you give to that moment, to that situation. Your brain creates the meaning. You are able to shift your focus, shift your interpretation, and shift what you give meaning to that particular emotion. If physical signals from your body and the world only become meaningful to you in relation to signals created in your brain, this means you have a bit more responsibility than you might realize for how you experience and act in the world. This is coming from Lisa Feldman. So in another point of view, Eckhart Tolle in The Power of Now and in in, in The Power of Now and in Stillness Speaks and in A New World, you are able to observe the emotion and observe the thought non-judgmentally from a point of view of a silent observer and a silent witness. And you're able to shift that interpretation. And therefore, the challenge, the traffic jam, the fact that you don't have the money, the fact that I was diagnosed as bipolar when I was 18, 19 years old, the fact that I was actually had a hard time with my significant other, it actually becomes the fuel so you will be able to grow in your consciousness. Therefore, we have the responsibility to be able to switch our interpretation that the negative challenge outside is actually something bad. No, it is actually a fuel for change. It's actually something that is igniting my desire for me to grow. It is actually something that is pushing me to be able to reach my higher self to be able to develop more, whether it's called meditation or you go to Pilates or you go to yoga or you go to psychotherapy or you study Kabbalah or you study access consciousness or you study theta healing. But then the challenge, the negative emotion, the sadness, the anger, the fear, the addiction, the mistake, the fact that you really fell down 10 years ago and you lost that significant other is actually going to motivate yourself to be the fuel for change and for you to grow your awareness that you are 100% accountable. So let's go back to the fact that I did not want to record this podcast. 
So last week I was feeling actually that I think that the best way to describe it, I felt a lot of lack. I felt that inside of me, like there was this huge like void midway from my heart to my stomach. And I felt this void and I felt fear. And I, what, what am I doing this? And how am I going to record this? And what am I going to say? And, uh, you know, all these negative thoughts and these negative emotions. So I decided to actually, to allow myself to feel it, to allow myself to feel it without adding a label to it, without adding an interpretation to it, just to allow myself to feel it. You know how crazy, because, you know, I think that not only myself, you know, when I was a teenager, but I think that many of us try to run away from those feelings. We run away going to dinner or maybe, you know, diving into work and, you know, working till 9 or 10 p.m. And we avoid feeling when we close our eyes and just feel our body, whether it's, whether it's uh, being uncomfortable or being angry or, or feeling that lack, that void inside of myself. And we say, oh, why am I feeling this void? Oh, be, be, because I meditated. Oh, because I haven't done this. Or maybe I didn't pray enough. Or maybe I didn't volunteer enough. I, I, and we try to run away from this void or to run away from this fear. But what if we can go deep into it and see it for what it is? An interpretation of reality. And that interpretation of reality is not the only interpretation of reality. I can be able to see the fabric and be aware that it's a projection on the fabric. When you go back to the example of the IMAX, it is not the fabric. So I am not the void. I am not the anger. I am not the sadness. I am the observer of the anger or of the fabric or of the void. And when I do that, I can become 100% accountable. And when I can become 100% accountable, I am able to shift my focus to transform it. And it will be the esoteric meaning of alchemy. You know, you know, alchemy, when you are able to change metal into gold, you are able to change the interpretation of the negative feeling as the best possible thing that happened for you. So you change the interpretation of your challenge or the loss of a loved one, or the loss of a business as the best possible thing. And you're able to feel it, observe it, not become it, by the way, not embody it. You know that it's something external, but you see it impartially and non-judgmentally. And in that way, we're able to transform it. By the way, this is a process. I know this is a process. I know this might feel a little bit abstract or a little bit out there for many of you. So therefore, I would like to do a little bit of a meditation or a visualization to be able to take this all in. Once again, the main intention is for us to be able to proactively deal with emotions, not become enveloped by the emotion, not become intoxicated by the emotion, but by the knowing, the certainty that we have the answer to the emotion inside of us and we are the silent witness of the emotion. So if you're driving or if, if you're a little bit busy, maybe you can pause the podcast. If you are relaxed in your room or, you know, you're on a bus or in a train, you can just go ahead and listen to this. We're going to do this visualization. We can put both feet on the ground. We can have a straight back. Palms relatively upward and we're going to allow ourselves to feel whatever we're feeling just meet yourself wherever you are there is no right nor wrong way to do this just allow yourself to be just allow yourself to focus on being not on doing but on being And you're going to feel your feet. Feel the energy of your feet without opening your eyes. And just say thank you. 
you go up through your knees, feel the energy of your knees, and say thank you. You not only say thank you with your mind, but you can actually feel thank you in your feet and in your knees. You go out through your body, your thighs, thank you, your inner organs, thank you, your arms, your hands, thank you. You go through your neck, your head, thank you. And you're able to feel your entire body without labeling that feeling. Just allow yourself to feel it. If you have any thoughts, just observe it and let it go. There's nothing neither good nor bad, only the mind makes it so. Do not label the thought, do not label the feeling. Just say thank you. Allow yourself to feel it. If you become overwhelmed by a thought or by a feeling, be aware of who listens to that thought or who feels the feeling. If you are able to feel the feeling, then you are not the feeling. If you are able to listen to the thought, you are not the thought. Allow yourself to be the silent observer. Allow yourself to be the silent witness. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. I love you. The feeling is not bad. You are not bad. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. I love you. Become aware of your whole body, from your feet to your head, and just let it be. Do not label it. Do not judge it. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. I love you. I am able to allow this moment to be as it is. Now I allow myself to be as I am. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. I love you. When you're ready, I'm going to count from three to one, three times. Imagine the number three. Imagine the number two. Imagine the number one. So thank you very much for this episode number nine of Everlasting Resilience, how to proactively deal with our emotions. I will come back in episode number 10 and be able to give a little bit more tools, do another meditation, and hear what the Dalai Lama and Daniel Coleman and Eckhart Tolle have to say about feelings and emotions. Remember, your consciousness creates your reality, and the more we're able to observe the emotion, the more we're able to know that it is not real. I am able to reinterpret it and refocus. Mm -hmm.